You're listening to Radio Boston. I'm Simone Rios in for Tiziana Deering. I have a quick warning to listeners. Um, we're going to be talking about issues of mental health and suicide in the military. Um, a new report from the state shows how much our veterans are struggling with life in and after military service. About one in nine lives lost to suicide in Massachusetts are veterans. Many of them have mental health conditions or report uh, resort to substance abuse to deal with deep trauma. We're here with two veterans who are trying to do something about it. John Santiago is the state's Secretary of Veteran Services and a major in U- the U.S. Army Reserves. We also have David Gambone, an Army vet from Massachusetts and founder of the veteran support group Minus 22. Thanks both for joining us. Secretary Santiago, um, what crossed your mind when you saw this report for the first time about one in nine lives lost to suicide being veterans? Well, it's a tragedy. Every life that is lost from suicide is something that impacts our military and veteran community. It's been an issue for quite a while. And we as a society and as a government official need to move forward in addressing it. And so when we took place, we were a department for a very long time. We were elevated to a secretariat level. And what did that mean? That meant that we had to really move quickly to address some of the issues that had been not as sufficiently dealt with. And so one of the things was the Veterans Reintegration Advisory Committee that was put together to really look into this issue. So for the past couple months, a group of about 15 to 20 leaders in this space worked together to put forward this report that showed us exactly what you're talking about, that it's still an issue, that we need to work together collaboratively and innovatively to move forward and address this in a very systematic way. Okay, David Gambone, um, you're a veteran as well, and you're the founder of a support group, Minus 22. Tell us what that means, Minus 22. Yeah, so when I when I uh, got out, uh, I got out in 2018. Um, I was medically retired. In 2019, I lost uh, five people, uh, friends and coworkers. Uh, four of those were suicides. Mm-hmm. And so I started the Minus 22 Foundation uh, because I've seen firsthand what happens to their families. Um, and so I named it Minus 22. You know, a lot of people would ask me like, oh, what are you going to call it if you want to end military suicide? Why don't you call it Project Zero? And I said, well, I'm going to call it Minus 22 because I'm not going to stop this mission until I can get my friends back. And tell us what you did in, in the Army. You yourself had an experience with, with being injured and having a very difficult time accessing the resources that you deserved. Absolutely. Yeah, the transition process is uh, is nowhere near where it really needs to be, in my opinion, as far as transitioning from active duty life back to civilian life. Uh, I was injured, and uh, I not only had to prove the extent of my injuries, but I had to work with a, a civilian doctor or a civilian, yeah, a civilian doctor and a medical lawyer uh, against the army on my way out to even prove my injuries that very clearly existed and happened in service. And uh, you know, I, I won, but there are very, very many stories of people who are not as adamant as I, or will go to the lengths that I did, um, that that don't get the representation that I now have. Well, John Santiago, uh, you're the Secretary of Veteran Services here in Massachusetts. And I'm curious to hear from your, your own service experience, um, to what degree you've been touched by, by this issue of suicide among military folks. So I've been in the Army Reserve for about 10 years, deployed a couple of times. In fact, about a year ago this time, I just came back from Syria. And this past week, I had an opportunity to, to get back with my unit and discuss what's all transpired since this past year. And what I can tell you is that the reactions were different from whoever I spoke with. As you know, right now, things are quite active in that region of the world, and folks are, are triggered from what they're seeing 
on television, on the radio. They might know someone who's still there, and it can be challenging. What we found out in the report was that in addition that uh, in addition to one in nine of the deaths being military-related, that two-thirds of those impact that has had a substance use issue, that a third of them, um, uh, or that, excuse me, that about half of them was related to firearms. And so I'm thankful for people like Dave here who are working on this issue, who can speak from their experiences. And so what we need to do is work closely together, state and the private and public sector, to move aggressively because one life is, is, is too many. And I'm excited that Governor Healy has placed an emphasis on mental health. And so my hope is that in the next couple of months, our team will be releasing a 10-point plan to better address this collaboratively with a variety of public and private stakeholders. Okay. So, David Gambone, if, if you could talk about, for those who haven't served, which is the majority of us, um, if you could explain why it can be so difficult to reintegrate after you leave the military to reintegrate into civilian life. Absolutely. Uh, I think the one of the major issues is that, um, you know, well, as soon as you join the military, uh, civilian you dies. You know, you, you become a soldier, you become a, a, an active duty service member in any one of these branches, you're going to learn that way of life and you're going to live that way of life. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty clear and concise and direct where you need to go and what needs to happen. The military is a very well-oiled machine. On the outside, it's not the same case, you know. Um, it seems as though, the in my experience, I felt like I was hit with the door on my way out of the Army. Um, I not only had to prove, you know, everything that I went through, but then I had to get the representation to do it, and then I had to pay out of pocket and do it. And, and so Talk about that a little bit, if you would. Sorry to interrupt, but no, if you could talk about the injury that, that you faced and your struggle in getting the resources you needed. So I, I, I got injured in NTC, and in, uh, it's a national training center in Fort Irwin, California in 2014. Um, I was crushed by a weapon rack, and uh, I I was working with my team leader there. Um, didn't know, you know, what what, what really happened. Uh, it happened pretty fast. It's ten seconds of my life. I'll never get back. Um, and if it wasn't for him, I would not have had the representation that I did because he immediately told me, "Hey, go get checked out." Um, the following morning, when I woke up and I couldn't feel my legs, so uh, I went and got ch- checked out. Um, but unfortunately, at the end of that rotation, all the doctors had gone home first. And so I, I got a, a brand new private medic that gave me 10 naproxen and an icy hot patch and told me good luck. Um, and so after that, I was in an uphill battle, not only in my unit, um, but with the, the military medical staff as well, because it took me eight months to even get an MRI. And even then, when that happened, it was only of my lower back. I didn't get imaging of my neck until I started my med board process in 2017. And uh, an x-ray tech said, hey, how long your neck been fractured? And I said, what? And he said, yeah, if, uh, that's pretty serious. You know, it could have killed you. Like, well, that's that's not very funny. Um, and so that's how I learned about that. And then in, it was eight months later, right? No, it was, it was three years later because years eight later. months later I got an MRI of my low back uh, and they said I had vertical or vertebrae protrusions and, you know, degenerate, uh, I had a degenerated disc from the injury and stuff. Um, and that was the focus. You know, everybody in the military said, oh, it's just a back injury. And they said, your neck hurts because your back hurts, you know, and I didn't get any real treatment while I was in. And so the only thing that saved me in getting out and having my medical lawyer and civilian doctor was that in my medical records, because my team leader told me to go get checked out, it did in fact exist there and they could, they could prove that it happened. Okay. John Santiago. Yeah, I was going to just turn to you Dave's because in addition- transitioning from mm-hmm. the military to the civilian side of things, it's not too uncommon. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are challenging experiences. The military can be a very regimented- life where you're told what to do day in, day out. 
Now, you go through a transition period, quite short, a lot of stuff rushing at you. You enter civilian world. You've been away from your family, your friends, maybe a new state. You're looking for a job. You're looking for housing. On top of what folks are going on personally, it's, it can be quite a challenging thing. And so you're entering a new workforce, new city, new, new town, and looking for support uh, can be challenging. And you know, we can do a lot of a better job at the state and federal level of supporting our veterans. And that's what we're committed to doing. We put forward uh, the HERO Act. Governor Healy filed a piece of legislation that really focuses part of it on, on mental health access, getting folks the care that they need and deserve and thinking innov- innovatively and collaboratively about it. And John Santiago, you're the Secretary of Veterans Services in Massachusetts, but you're also a doctor, an ER doctor. I don't know how, how many turns you've been doing in the, in the ER lately, but yeah. I'm curious to hear your reaction to David Gambone's experience breaking his neck well, and not getting the kind of service and treatment he needed. Well, Dave and I had a chance to talk a little bit before this interview, and, and we connected on a lot of our shared values and our shared experiences. And, and I talked about my experiences as an emergency medicine doctor. And to be quite honest with you, Simone, I mean, I see mental health issues every shift and every time I worked. And although they may be coming in for an acute issue with respect to maybe their cardio, cardiovascular disease, maybe a back injury, oftentimes that's tied with a mental health illness. And if we're not treating both seriously, and if we're not engaging in both those aspects of their care, we're not doing enough for the veteran. And it's important that we remind ourselves, not just as clinicians, but as policy leaders as well. That's why things like the HERO Act, for the first time in this one program that we offer, Chapter 115, is now going to pay for outpatient mental health services should the bill be passed. But thinking about how we view these issues in mental health, providing the services is, is what we're going to need to do to address this number 22 that we all want to see uh, be erased. Okay, we're talking about veterans and the services and support available to them in Massachusetts. And I want to give a message to listeners that if you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, um, you can dial 988. It's the 24-7 Suicide and Crisis Hotline. And if you're a veteran, you can dial 988, then press 1 for the Veterans Crisis Line, which is a new initiative that launched uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, David Gambone, back to you. When you reach out to to veterans and the family of uh, families of veterans, what do you hear from them about what they need? Well, uh, typically, what they need can't be replaced. Um, you know, these losses. Uh, there's a there's a massive uh, ripple effect that happens every time we lose a service member to suicide. Um, you know, on top of losing your loved one, your service member, um, they're oftentimes caught in the wake of financial burdens. And, and other things, you know, uh, of the 11 people that I've personally lost of friends and coworkers to military suicide, only four of them did not have children. Mm. And so the majority of these families do have children, and now they're raising them in, in, even, in even more of a whirlwind uh, of, of chaos and trauma because of these numbers. And, and something that I think really needs to be put out there to service members themselves is that there's this, there's this really unfortunate uh, idea that, you know, when you take your own life, you, you end your trauma. And I want listeners and service members and people alike to know that that's not the case. You just pass your trauma on to everyone around you. And so a lot of times they need gas and groceries or they need, you know, uh, supportive things of, of literature or anything else. So what we do is we provide that for a 12-month period to any military family in crisis that's been affected by suicide. We give them up to $500 in variable gas and grocery gift cards monthly as well as grief journals, blankets, hoodies, uh, supportive literature, and anything we can do. And we tailor make those packages to those families every single month. 
Okay. Dave brings up, brings up an excellent point. It's not just the veteran. It's their family as well. When the veteran gets deployed to Syria or to Iraq or, or wherever, the family is left behind. The family is impacted by that deployment just as much sometimes. It's important that in all we do with respect to our veterans and the care that we're supporting the families as well. John Santiago, um, th this is a big job that you have and you've, you face challenges already uh, revamping the, the state veterans home in, in Holyoke after a COVID outbreak there killed 84 veterans. Um, and now we're talking about another kind of crisis, uh, suicide in the military and after the military. Uh, it's been underway for a long time, but I want to hear from you as, as a service member and, and a doctor about some of the tools that, that we can turn to to fight this unseen enemy. Well, well, again, this is personal to me as a physician who often takes care of folks with mental health illness. And when I know that two-thirds of suicides related of veterans are, are impacted by their mental health, when I know that a third is impacted whether they um, are, use substance use, um, uh, or have substance use issues as well, we can do more. Now, when I got into this position, there were a variety of issues – and, and sectors working on this, but there wasn't a, a concert effort to address this. In addition to this program, or the Veterans Reintegration Advisory Committee, there's also another thing called the Governor's Challenge. It's a partnership between the, the feds and the state as well. Now, they've been working on a variety of different issues for the past two or three years. So my hope is that working with the Governor's Challenge, but also working with this report and a variety of stakeholders in this space, that we could put forward a 10-point plan here in the next couple months to best address this issue. It's not going to go away. It's going to be here, but we can do more and we should do more. Our veterans deserve it. They've sacrificed their time. You know, and veterans are still uh, deployed abroad, coming back to Massachusetts. And I'm excited to be working with a variety of people who feel so passionate and excited and, and, and want to do work on this, such as Dave. Now, Dave brings tremendous insight into this. And so making sure that folks like Dave are connected to what we're doing in government is key to this. We can't do this alone. We're not going to do this alone. So bringing in the veterans impacted by this, the families, and collaborating uh, to make sure that we're putting forth innovative uh, ideas and solutions based on data. Now, that's a big piece that we've been missing along. Um, we can't design the interventions without the data. And so a part of this is gathering the data, looking at it uh, thoroughly and coming up with un uh, unique solutions um, to, to, to address this one. David, I'm curious to hear from you. Uh, I know that part of the reason you formed the nonprofit Minus 22 is because of a sense of frustration with the military and government bureaucracies. You're sitting here in the studio next to a government official who's charged with carrying out some of these duties. What is your reaction to what John Santiago just said? Uh, I think it's a step in the right direction. You know, uh, I don't think we can get anywhere without without having these conversations as difficult as they may be. And, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago that, you know, you, you get much, much farther in the world uh, if you work together uh, as, a far, as opposed to, you know, being in opposition from one another. Uh, my issue at the bureaucratic level with the military uh, is it really comes down to policy. And the only way that we can change policy is by speaking with our government officials and having these open dialogue conversations and being realistic and speaking about our concerns to be able to bridge these gaps. A lot of times when people get out, you know, the, the military will put the, the burden on the individual. Uh, it's, it's up to the service member to prove that they were injured or to prove that they were in service. Uh, something I, I don't understand is, you know, if, if our government, both federally and state, gets money from the same mom and dad, how are we not having the conversation to bridge that gap and set up these service members with their first VA appointment when they get home to their home of record that they need to put on file? 
Dave, you spend your days working on this very difficult issue about veteran suicide and dealing with the families in the immediate aftermath. Um, but what is it about this work that inspires you? And is there something that, that gives you hope in this work? Uh, absolutely. Um, so in 2019, I lost, you know, five people. Uh, the last one I lost was a soldier of mine that I had spoken to days before, and that, that really affected me, uh, my mental health. Um, it, it was a very, very hard process for me and something that I tell my, my family members, my loved ones, my circle around me is that uh, I'm very open about my mental health struggles. I have uh, pretty bad insomnia and anxiety and depression. And so I want my loved ones to be able to check in with me at any time uh, about my mental health. And if they're bold enough to ask, I'll be bold enough to answer. And in having some of those conversations after losing my soldier, I was speaking to my wife and I told her that what, what really crushed me was that, uh, you know, I, I wish I could have said something to my soldier. I wish I could have, I wish I could have said something to stop him. Right. And I was, I was just talking to him. I wish, I wish I had said that. And she said something that, that sticks with me every single day. And it's, she said, yeah, but you don't know the amount of times you already did. What message do you have now for any veterans out there who might be listening to this conversation? Mental health is insanely important. Um, you need to be able to be vocal and, and speak up about your mental health. If you need someone to speak to, you can talk to me. Um, you know, my, my phone number is help 227574. I've survived my own million mile moment. I've been there. I know what it feels like. Uh, it, it doesn't get better if you make that choice. I can tell you that. Um, if I had one thing to summarize, it's, it's reach out, hold on, and never quit. John Santiago, I'll give the last word to you. What message do you have for folks struggling right now? I just want to thank Dave for what he's done in the community and what and what he's doing day in day out to improve himself and support his family and friends in the veteran community. It's so important that you're able to stand here today, talk with not just us, with the public here, and share your experiences. To me, that makes me think about my own experiences and my own trauma and issues and so that I can better relate and be more empathetic with veterans in the community. And so if you're out there, I just want you to know that we hear you, that we see you, and that we want to engage with you. And so whether that's calling 988, reaching out to Dave, or reaching out to my office, we're here for you, and we want to support you. Well, John Santiago, the State Secretary of Veterans Services and a major in the U.S. Army Reserves, and David Gambone, an Army veteran from Massachusetts and founder of the veteran support group Minus 22. Thanks, both of you.